So once again, welcome back to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, again, I'm your host, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Smithfield Market. Uh, today is going to be a review show for Avengers Infinity War. So I'm joined by... James, once more. Once more. Yeah, we uh, we had a little bit of uh, good feedback to the last one we did, which was actually previewing Infinity War, but previewing a lot of other movies as well. Um with this uh, review, I, I did state a couple of weeks ago, I didn't want to do a review straight away for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I think that the fresher you go into this movie, the better. So the less spoilers out there, the better. Yep. And uh, also it just needed a bit of time to digest. Uh, there was a lot going on in this movie. It was uh, a massive event and there was so much to it that I, I think you actually needed to take a bit of time to actually process that information. Uh, James is lucky enough to have seen it twice um, so I'll, I'll be curious to hear his thoughts on what it was like a second time uh, I've just seen it the once myself but I'm planning to see it again sometime hopefully this week uh, so yeah we'll uh, we'll just jump straight in uh, from here on in we do have to warn you obviously the movie has been out almost two weeks there will be big fat massive spoilers everywhere so if you have not seen it please do not listen to this please do not come to the store <laughs> try and burn it down or try and attack the two of us we are warning you spoilers everywhere so right so we may as well just start with you know just general first impressions where did you see it yourself for the first time james i saw it in maybe house dublin road Funny story, actually, to accompany this. So mm-hmm. we went in, and uh, the previous show hadn't finished yet. So we were sitting outside, as there were quite a few others waiting to get in, and the cleaning crew were waiting to go into the screen, right? And as they're standing there, they start talking about him. They just start talking nice. about the end credit scene in the film. And it got to the point where my sister was like, is there a manager about? And the girl was like, no, I'm one of the supervisors. And she was like, yeah, well, can you tell your staff to shut the hell up for the film I'm about to see? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... You did, that's unprofessionalism. Just... Yeah, obviously you work in the cinema yourself, so yeah. you sort of know. I mean, the, I mean, we even felt guilty talking about this movie a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself and a couple of regulars from the store were sitting in the sunflower talking about it, and you were even conscious of people being beside you because, <laughs> I think the thing with this movie is it is a massive event. It's, I think it's been a long time. We can we can talk all we want about the death of cinema and all the rest, and a more move to a more digital platform, but. This was the first movie for me in years that felt like a massive event. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody wanted to go to midnight showings. Everybody wanted to avoid spoilers. Everyone wanted to see it as soon as it came out. And everyone was just so hyped for this. Yeah. So, um, but obviously then, so your sister, or your sister shut them up then? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, and that was grand, you know. I mean, not the, not the diss movie house at all, but, you know, or put a bad name. I'm just yeah. in general, they were like, you know, me working in a cinema, even you, know, our staff, for people who had seen it, you know, we were like, right, you hold the doors open, you go to clean the screen, just don't talk about yeah. it, don't mention it. Just general. Right, just, or if you are talking about it, just do it elsewhere in the staff room. Yeah, just general it. common sense. I mean, it's it's the same for us in the store because obviously a lot of people come, you know, obviously to chat about it and all the rest. But if we're chatting about this, and our first um, exposure to this was actually The Last Jedi, ah. uh, which we don't need to talk about, but. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Basically, if we were chatting about it and we heard the door open, we would stop talking, look to whoever it was and sort of say in a jokey way, have you seen it yet? And if they said yes, we'd continue talking. If they said no, we would shut up because, yeah, just, as I say, I mean, you, you want to go into this as fresh as possible. A big yeah. event movie. Yeah. You know, people have waited years for this, you know, 10 years, in fact. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, obviously, Movie House was that opening day, was it? Uh, it was the day after, so there been the midnight show and it was mm-hmm. it was the Thursday then that we ah, went okay. to so yeah I mean for us we went to the uh the midnight show we actually organized a group of 15 of us in total nice so it was uh, a big group of regulars from the store you know we've <clears throat> we've been lucky enough to not only attract regulars but also to make friends through the store and 15 of us went to see it we filled up an entire row you know we got down there at 10 o'clock as I said I mean I can't remember the last time I got to the cinema on time let alone <laughs> two hours early but uh we got down, we were determined to get the great seats, we were determined to get all our snacks in place. Um, there was one guy, you know who you are, Roddy, who decided to wait until quarter to twelve to go out and get his snacks, which was a big mistake. <clears throat> Whereas I had my popcorn under my seat from about quarter to eleven nice. and managed to avoid eating it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it hit midnight, you know, the screen was packed, we were in the Odeon. 
okay, yeah. And they only had five screens to, uh, devoted to this at midnight, which again is just unprecedented. It's not hard to see why this movie's making so much yeah, money. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, lights went down. We had to endure fifteen minutes of adverts, ten minutes of trailers, which <clears throat> the trailers were okay, but. We really were there for the movie. Yeah, it's you know, like we, we we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> you just wanted that, you know, British Board of Film classification logo to pop up. Avengers Infinity War, rated twelve A, whatever. Which I would say twelve A is a little bit of a, a little bit of a calm rating for this. I, I mean, given the themes you're dealing with, the darkness of it, I think this could have easily been a fifteen. Yeah, I mean, you could have, <clears> yeah, definitely had maybe a fifteen thrown in, maybe some darker elements to it. Yeah, I mean, it was dark as it was. I mean, you think about all the torturing devices the Black Order were using. You think of, obviously, the ending. You think of just the movie in general was very dark, which is unusual for a Marvel movie. I mean, there was loads of levity in it. There was loads of humor and there was yeah. loads of, you know, breaking up of the tension. But by and large, this was a very, very dark movie. 100%. But let's be honest, you know, Deadpool is literally the only thing you could get away with a 15th certificate at this rate. Yeah, well, <laughs> Deadpool and Logan Yeah, that yeah. would be our yeah. other one. Yeah. But... Uh, with Deadpool, there was no other way to do it. And with Logan, I think that was just a reward for Hugh Jackman for thank you for 15 years in a row. Yeah. If this is the way you want to do it, this is the way we'll do it. Um, thank God they did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do love Logan, I have to say. Um, yeah, so just setting the scene with Avengers, I mean, story-wise, it's the culmination of 10 years. I mean, there was a lovely little touch at the very start of it. It's just a silly little thing, but just shows how Kevin Feige and all of the guys who put these movies together understand their importance. You know, where they just changed the I.O. of Marvel Studios into a 10. Just simple little thing, but again, just builds that excitement. Uh, it's the 19th movie, which is just ridiculous. Uh, even though we watched them all in the last, you know, couple of months, it didn't feel like that many. And there's nothing to compare with this. No. You know, maybe James Bond? Yeah, probably James Bond's like one. your second. But, that's, but James Bond's 23 movies, I think, at this point. I might be wrong on that, but that's over... A, 50 year, 55 yeah. year period. This is over a 10 year period. It's yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, so basically the movie the movie kicks off, the opening scene, as I say, it pulls no punches, it wastes no time getting into it. We managed to see Thor Ragnarok for the first time only two days before this. Serious? Yeah, and <laughs> thank God that we did because if we hadn't, to be uh, honest, I think you might have been slightly lost. A tad, yeah. Um, we like, how to get here? What's yeah. happening? What is this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Thor Ragnarok ends with, you know, Thor and Loki saying, oh, I think it's going to be okay, brother. And then this large shadow looms over the ship. And then they don't even show you what happens. It's just bodies lying everywhere. Yep. Uh, I didn't notice Korg amongst them. No. This is someone who I thought was missing <laughs> from this movie. I mean, as if we didn't have enough characters. <laughs> but he was one of the absolute standouts for Thor Ragnarok for me. <clears throat> oh, we just popped up. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, man. You, you, you didn't kill me. I'm just over here. <laughs> or maybe he was playing dead like his friend in Thor Ragnarok where he thought he was carrying his dead friend around all this time he's like oh no panic he's alive it's fine uh, but yeah I mean it, it kicks off and what I thought was smart about this opening scene was one of the things about Marvel movies for years they've been accused of is not producing good villains and Loki's always been held up as the sort of the established this is how you do it Loki at this point was more of an anti-hero to be honest he, he had probably more good elements to him than bad but it almost felt like at the start here, and again, I have to say this, massive spoilers, everyone. I, I can't say it enough. <laughs> but the fact that they basically kill Loki within five minutes yeah, almost felt sick. like them saying, like Thanos was saying, you think this is a bad guy? I'm a bad guy. Breaks his neck, throws him to the side like he's nothing. This is after he threatened to, to crush Thor's head. Yeah. I mean, there was a part of me, I was actually thinking Thor was going to die. Yeah, same. Like, yeah. You know, if, I mean, I know we've seen obviously more footage and trailers and stuff, but I just thought to myself, holy sh stuff. <laughs> uh, I actually thought they were going to kill him. And that was one of the, the biggest victories of this movie for me. The constant sustained feeling of dread. Because once they kill Loki and they killed um, Hemdall, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, once they killed the two of them, you sort of thought, holy moly, no one is off limits here. Yeah, they're you just... Know, going for anyone that's it I mean <laughs> anyone I, at all I can't remember the last sort of movie I felt like that because you think of your classic horrors and stuff there's always a set formula set rules as people die and stuff you know in terms of movies people being picked off one by one but in this I had no idea what to expect I mean to jump forward slightly in the plot later like when they killed Gamora off I thought oh she's coming back at some point she's coming back at some point surely 
but then obviously he has the soul son as a result and all the rest but I was right in the fields that one yeah that was uh, I mean the reason that was right in the fields sorry we're going to jump all over the place here Um, (laughs) the reason for me that was right in the fields is because they got the CGI of um, Thanos so right yeah and you could see his conflicted emotions at that point where he was like well this is something I love even though I've probably never told her because at that point Gamora's sort of looking at him laughing like oh you've never loved anything this is fine and then there's this stark realisation that comes washes over her of oh my god he's actually going to kill me yes um, and this is after a great little scene as well where um, Star-Lord is going to kill Gamora because she's asking him to so, to stop Thanos and he actually is a man of his word he tries to kill her but like bubbles come out of the gun it's the reality stone at that yeah, point yeah reality stone so, <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, but yeah, going back to that sustained feeling of dread, I had no idea <clears throat> who was going to survive this movie. Yeah, as soon as you saw that opening five minutes, you're like, well, get yeah. your pants on. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's walking out of this one. <laughs> and then the pace just never lets up from there. So Hemdall's basically able to um, open up a, a walkway to Earth and uh, the Bifrost and basically sends Hulk, which is strange in, in a way. I don't know why he sent Hulk but not Thor. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been better to send Thor. Well, I don't know. Cause I mean, ultimately, Thor's a god. You know, yeah. the Hulk's a monster. But And indeed, I'm, I'm skipping over one of the best parts. See, this is the problem and the joy of this movie. There's so much great stuff. But the, um, the fact that Loki gets to utter the line, we have a Hulk. And uh, the Hulk then starts beating on Thanos. And the Hulk's winning the fight. And then one of the Black Order is about to intervene. And one of them just puts their hands up and goes, let him have his fun. And you're yeah. just like, oh, this is not going to end well. And he actually punches the Hulk. I think it's in the neck. And he does it in such a way that the Hulk actually sounds like a wounded dog. You know, he's almost whimpering. And that, of course, leads to a plot line the whole way through the movie that the Hulk never comes out. Um, I mean, for any villain to instill that amount of fear that even the Hulk doesn't want to come out is quite remarkable. There was, a, I think it was a theory of such that the reason the Hulk doesn't come out is because in the next one, you're going to get the culmination of, I think it's like a greater Hulk, so it mm-hmm. takes more of Bruce Banner's mind rather than his body or something. Oh, and okay. then like, he has like more strength or something like that. I know my friend Stephen was telling me about it. Okay. I was like, oh, okay, that sort of makes sense. He's obviously just building it up, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I mean, that could just be lies. That's yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of lies, I mean, the the trailer itself where you have all of the heroes running at the camera and the Hulk's in the background well that didn't happen yeah, it's just so much you know, cut stuff as, if you watch over the trailers as if we weren't burned enough by Justice League and the amount of <laughs> stuff that wasn't in the trailer but I'm not going to go off on a Justice League tangent as much as I want to um, so yeah uh, yeah. so Hulk basically ends up crashing through the, the window of the Sanctum Santorum um, uh, Doctor Strange is there um, what's Doctor Strange's Wong isn't it Wong yeah uh, is there as well and then they basically go and find Tony Stark who I was surprised to see Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie I wasn't given the you know her appearance at the end of Homecoming yeah I was like okay she's bound to make a wee creep up in this well this is the other part that we've watched TV and movies and are savvy enough to know that any time they start a movie off with a scene of happiness between two characters one of them is dying and in fairness, you don't see Pepper at the very end. You, I mean, you assume she's alive if they don't show her dying. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Tony didn't die, but that's that's a whole other bag whoa, of worms. Oh, oh, we'll get to whoa, that. Whoa. We'll get to that. Whoa, um, whoa. But yeah, so he they're like talking about having kids and you know, um, you know, moving on with their responsibilities and stuff like that. Tony doesn't really want to do the whole Avengers thing anymore, though he does have um, he does have sort of nanotechnology. Yeah. Uh, built into himself just in case again I didn't get that I mean I got it but at the same time it's like you know you had Iron Man 3 where you know he gets it removed and everything so it's like so so what you're saying is Tony Stark's arc is very inconsistent and he's a horrible character I wouldn't say a horrible character I think that's a bit harsh <laughs> but in terms of that respect I think yeah it's kind of like but well, why do you still have for enough nanotechnology, but it's like, wow. Yeah, that's that's one way of looking at it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll come back in a wee second after this. Um, this is going to be a long conversation, so we'll just break it up a little bit. So, we'll, but um, yeah, we'll just be back in a sec after this.
Okay, so we're back again then to continue our Infinity War chat. Um, so yeah, we, we got as far as obviously Pepper and uh, Tony talking about, you know, starting a family. And, you know, as I say, we've all, we're all savvy enough to know that that's probably not going to end well. But uh, yeah, so basically Tony is recruited back to uh, the Sanctum Santorum. And I didn't actually realize this at this point, but there's this real sort of, there's this great moment where Tony and Bruce Banner look at each other. And you actually do realise it has been a hell of a long time since I've seen each other. Yeah. It's, it's end of Ultron, is it? Age of Ultron? Where Age of Ultron, yeah. Hulk, Age of Ultron. Where basically Hulk flies away. Um, so it was actually the last time that they'd seen each other. And there's, you, you do sort of forget which characters have interacted with each other and which ones haven't. I mean, there's another great scene further on in the movie where the Guardians are fighting against, um, it's against Tony and Peter, isn't it? Um, strange, yeah. Yeah. And it's a great scene because... Although we know that all these characters are all part of the same universe and they're all heroes, they've never met each other, so they just see each other as threats. Uh, and that's what this movie's really good at, is those chance encounters between these characters. Uh, so yeah, basically, Tony's told all about Thanos and told about this guy. Like You've never seen Bruce Banner so afraid of anybody. He's practically shaking, telling the story. And uh, then suddenly, like this rift comes through New York, and you're wondering what's happening. And it's the, the donut ring in the sky. <laughs> uh, it's a bit more sort of technological than that, but that also leads to um, uh, showing us Peter Parker and his spider sense uh, kicking in the gear, which uh, we've talked about this before. One of the best moments of the movie for me. Yeah, definitely. My my sister, I remember sitting beside me and the bit where he kind of like he swings out and goes across the water wearing nothing but just the mask and she was like total fan of moment. <laughs> she was like, I've waited years to see that happen. Yeah. And I, I just looked at her and she was like, you're fangirl in a bit? She was like, a little bit. And then you see him swing off and she's like, okay, a lot. And I was like, yep, there you go. It is a great scene. Even the lead into that as well, just where uh, Peter says to Ned, you know, create a distraction. And Ned, like, looks out at the ship and goes, We're all going to die. And then it also gets the obligatory Stan Lee cameo out of the way early, which I thought was smart. Yeah. Uh, I think in a movie this where the stakes are this high, I think it could have broke up the tension if you'd have had him later on in the movie. Uh, but in this case, he's the, the bus driver. Yeah. Uh, I was half expecting him to appear as a watcher, I must admit. Yeah, because after the... When was that? He it was appeared? Guardians 2, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's because when they're flying through all the wormholes. Yeah. And they go past and he's like, guys, guys, i got so many more stories to tell you. <laughs> it might be my favourite Stanley cameo. Actually, outside of Deadpool, because in Deadpool he's the... Uh, he's introducing the strippers on stage and he's the, he's the DJ. I love that one as well. Yeah, it's so. like, was it was he says? It's like, oh yeah, no, oh yeah, you can't buy love, but you can rent it for like $5 or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Stanley I can totally picture just working in a stripper joint oh, yeah. as a guest DJ I, I think that's what he's going to do for the rest of his life he's like oh, I've created enough of these stories I'm just going to go and work in a strip club <laughs> uh, but yeah so this this leads to uh, some awesome action scenes on the streets of uh, New York uh, some really inventive uh, action scenes and also shows the strength of the Black Order because they, they essentially win this fight uh, they are able to um, grab Doctor Strange put him onto the ship uh, because they need him because he has the time stone uh, around in the it's the eye of I want to say Gamora but it's not Gamora uh, <laughs> totally uh, ruining my moment here but uh, yeah so they basically take Doctor Strange to uh, prize the time stone away from him and then Iron Man follows but of course Peter as well is very uh, excited at this point he wants to be part of the Avengers he's always trying to prove himself he's always trying to show that he can mix it with a big boy so he starts following and it gets to the point where Tony looks at him and is like, kid, you can't be up here. And Peter's actually struggling to breathe because they're going higher and higher. And then this leads to another great fanboy moment uh, yeah. with the, the iron spider suit coming into play. Uh, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but I have slight reservations with this stuff because I understand that in this uh, capacity because of the breathing apparatus and, you know, helping Peter get onto the ship and all the rest. But I've always, I have a bit of a problem with the fact that anybody could be in that suit and that suit does everything for them like the suit like the iron spider comes out the back and you know creates landing spaces stops them from falling things like that and i have a, I have a slight problem with that because i think it takes away <clears throat> sort of the special nature of peter and his abilities itself so uh i thought that was quite uh quite interesting but at, at the same time while wrapped up in the movie 
great moment. Yeah, you just kind of saw it launch. And he's like, right, fall, I'm going to catch it. And it's yeah. like, attaches on to him. It's like, oh, that's so kick ass. Yeah, you, you, you just wanted to, you know, <laughs> it was a real fist pump moment of, yeah, <laughs> awesome. And then, of course, Peter, um, I think Tony's original plan was to get Peter into that suit just to basically help him land safely back to Earth. But, of course, Peter is, yeah, I'm coming to help you, old man. So, uh, which he does yep. very successfully. So, they end up on the ship there. Uh, it's around this time. I mean, my, my chronology of the movie is a little strange because the movie, obviously, I've only seen once. And, again, there's just so much goes on in it. But uh, it's around this time as well that Thor lands on the uh, ship of the Guardians. Yep. And this all happens because the Guardians are answering a distress call for the ship that has been destroyed. And uh, so this leads to some great comedy. I mean, the interactions between Thor and Star-Lord especially <laughs> are superb. Now, Marvel gets criticized a lot for its comedy. It, it sometimes is over the top. I mean, there's like Guardians 2 for me was very miss. Um, whereas Thor Ragnarok was very much a hit you know, in terms of yeah. how they balanced the, the comedy but I thought this was perfect yeah it was very good balancing um, like you say all the different interactions between everyone and you're all the banter and you're just kind of like it works it's like okay yeah there's a lot happening but it works I yeah. mean even that one scene between you know Gamora and Thor where he's like oh you seem to know an awful lot about Thanos and Drax yeah. like well Gamora's the daughter and you kind of think, oh, uh oh, you know, it's gonna go down. He's gonna, he just kind of walks up and pats her on the shoulder. He's like, yeah, families are tough. I get you. <laughs> so, you know, and you're like, okay, it's a wee subtle moment. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's still a serious matter, but he he on the like, yeah, it just they needs, understand needs that tiny bit of levity. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we've went past sort of one of the the best jokes I think, where um, Star Lord's feeling very insecure and. I can't remember who it is. It might be Gamora, but someone basically says to him he's a sandwich short of being fat, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I think it is, says that to him. And then it basically leads to Thor and Star-Lord, you know, standing up against each other, measuring up against each other, Star-Lord putting on a voice, you know, <laughs> I, I always talk like this, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I just thought all this interaction was brilliant. But there, there is a little moment in here that I just want to chat about quickly where <clears throat> it's a tiny little thing and it might be nothing. And it's going to you know, jump ahead to the ending a little bit as well. There's a part where <clears throat> uh, the, this team is about to break into two. So Thor is going, he wants to create a new hammer. And as he goes, Rocket goes with him. And Rocket's walking past Peter. And Peter Quill basically says to him, you're just going with him because you don't want to face Thanos. And I don't know if that's going to be slightly related to what happens at the end. Because when... Thanos snaps his fingers and obviously half the Marvel Universe disappears. Rocket doesn't. And I don't know if that's anything at all. It might, it might be just looking for something that's not there. But I think there's something there. there. There might be something revealed in the next movie about that. I never thought about it like that at all. Very, I just kind it, of thought it was... Yeah, it was just a very random little moment. It just seemed like a real, yeah, you're just gone because you don't want to face Thanos. Like there's history there or something. But I'd say it could be absolutely nothing. But I just find it strange that he's the only Guardian who didn't, you know... Oh, I, I think I get what you're getting at. So, like, the way Nebula is all, like, constructed and, like, binary. And yeah. the way she's made up Rocket is technically the exact same exactly. thing. Exactly. Oh, okay, I get so you. So, okay, I yeah. think, oh, I think okay. there's something there, but, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll wait and we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, basically Thor goes off to uh, make his own hammer. He disappears for a little while. Although he does come in with one of the best, one of the best camos at all. When he's going to, um, to start trying to construct his new hammer... He comes across uh, a dwarf, but the dwarf is actually a giant, and it's played by Peter Dinklage. And I was it, quite taken aback by that. <laughs> it was it was a really funny way of doing it because I'm sure as an actor, as a serious actor, Peter Dinklage is an amazing actor that he is. He must get typecast all the time, yeah. you know. And I thought it was a really fun way of saying like, let's make you the biggest character on screen for once. Like he's bigger <laughs> than Thanos, you know. He's, he, I'd, like I thought that was very, very clever because he is a great, great actor. So it was, it was good to see him being utilized in a different way. Three billboards, just fantastic in that. Just I right haven't there. seen that yet. I've heard good stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Did it's, it win the Oscar for best movie? No. Francis McDormand won actress for it. Best actress, yeah. Um, God, what won for best picture was it? Nah, my memory fails me. Yeah. Basically, in about <laughs> ten minutes' time, he's just gonna shout out the title. <laughs> just like jump in, like ah! Just shout out the title of whatever it was. And everyone's like, what? what? <laughs> but I mean, just on the subject of Oscars and stuff, I mean, if this movie doesn't get acknowledged in some way, it's just an absolute disgrace. 
uh, and I say that as a DC fan uh, because juggling this many characters and making a coherent movie is hard enough but making a phenomenal movie is it has to be at least this has to be the year that they're like right let's Some really sort put of this into consideration yeah. either that or Black Panther has to be given up for well, something I'm not a huge fan of Black Panther so uh... Wakanda forever sorry <laughs> <laughs> but again I think <laughs> but again I think Wakanda works better in this movie as a great stronghold like you've established what their society is all about and as a stronghold it's amazing yeah I just I, again it goes back we chatted about it before with Black Panther yeah. it was just I'm not a fan of the main character in his own movie but again T'Challa is one of the best things in this movie so yeah, it's, it's 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 the same with Spider-Man I don't know I just think some some characters in this universe don't quite sustain their own movie I think Hulk's like that you know, they've tried to make a couple of Hulk movies, and although I did enjoy The Incredible Hulk more than I remembered it did, I thought the Hulk worked better in Thor Ragnarok as a foil for the main character, as opposed to all the focuses on Bruce Banner and, and the Hulk. Um, so, yeah, so uh, just to get back to it then, so uh, another part, of, uh, we're on the ship at this point, where Doctor Strange is being tortured to obviously give up the Time Stone, and this leads to one of my uh, defining moments for what an absolute douchebag and oh my god one of the best parts of the movie Doctor Strange calls Iron Man a douchebag amazing um, <laughs> and I must admit I never really liked Doctor Strange before this movie but he's jumped to the top of my list just for that <laughs> moment uh, but it's another demonstration of why I don't like Tony Stark and again it's a little thing but I think it's important to mention so when they come up with this plan so it becomes it seems to be a little bit of a running stick now for Peter have you seen this old movie yeah. which makes us as the audience all feel really old <laughs> uh, so he did it with Empire Strikes Back in Civil War yeah. and then he does it in this one with Aliens and basically Iron Man blows a hole in the ship and they're able to get rid of that member of the Black Orders Peter swings in and kicks him out and Iron Man even says the line at this point the kid has seen more movies than you and then so Stephen Strange gets down from his torture device or whatever and him and Tony sort of square up and Tony says to him look hotshot I just saved you not we not Peter not the guy who came up with the plan I just saved you it just continues to show me what an absolute egotistical douchebag that he is uh, sorry to use it, keep using that term but Doctor Strange used it in the movie so <laughs> I, I think I'm allowed some, uh, some leeway here uh, I know you're going to jump in with an impassioned events of Tony at some point here well, you'll probably save that for later on where he faces Thanos. Yep. <laughs> which could have been the best moment of the movie. But <clears throat> I'm just waiting for like the next podcast. Top 10 reasons why I hate Tony Stark. <laughs> I don't think 10 reasons would be enough. <laughs> top 30 reasons, maybe? Top 30. Um, Not even a top list, just reasons why I hate Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, so again, we're jumping all over the place plot-wise, but next next thing I thought would be sort of good to chat about is um, <clears throat> the scene with... Uh, Gamora and Thanos and this led to an amazing cameo that I was not expecting my jaw dropped like but, we were all shocked and what was great about this cameo which of course is you know spoiler all over the place here uh, which of course is Red Skull but the reason I love this cameo I mean Captain America is one of my favourites so of course I knew who this was but when we went to see this at midnight, when the Red Skull turned up, there was gasps in the crowd. Yep. And that, to me, is the definition of great storytelling. Because this is a character that first popped up maybe nine years ago, has never been in a movie since. But as soon as he popped up, everybody knew who he was. Very, very clever. Uh, and again, hats off for the, the idea of the long-form storytelling that Marvel have uh, done through these movies. Because yeah, his absence is explained quite well. You know, yeah. he then gives the story of how he once had control of the stone, yeah. but it banished him to Vermeer. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so literally in like one sentence or a couple of sentences yeah. of dialogue, it explains why you've this never is, seen This is where I've been since. for nine years, yeah. or so. probably feels like an eternity to him. But uh, the, basically the reason he turns up <clears throat> is to explain to Thanos uh, how to get the soul stone. And the only way to do that is to sacrifice something he loves and it's at this point that Gamora is sort of laughing because she's saying like oh you've never loved anything you're just a tyrant you're just you know a titan you just want to rule the universe this and that and <clears throat> this is where there's a real testament to the motion capture and all the creation of Thanos and also of Josh Brolin's performance yep. because like you see how conflicted he is you see that he the, the motivation of any good villain has to be understood if you know they you have they have to believe that what they're doing is right and 
although Thanos is trying to indulge in genocide here and obviously wiping out half the population, he's doing it with the idea of the other half will never understand, never know poverty, yeah. never know starvation. Like there's only finite resources in the world. And while you don't agree with his methods, because as I say, it is genocide, uh, you can understand his motivations to a point. So you can see at this point, he's just wrestling with, I love my daughter, but I want to save, or in his eyes anyway, save the world. Air quote. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've even skipped past a little bit here as well. Because again, there's just so much to this movie. Uh, before this, there's a little scene in the collector's, um, in the collector's home where Gamora has said to Peter earlier in the movie, look, if it comes to it, kill me because we have to stop Thanos from, you know, completing his plan. And Thanos is basically holding Gamora hostage and Peter Quill has a gun in her face and she's begging him. She's like, just do it, just kill me, just do it, save the universe, etc., etc. Uh, you promised and he's already yeah. told her he loves her at this point. <clears throat> it's all very, very sad. And he actually goes through with it and he pulls the trigger, but bubbles come out. And I think Thanos came out with a great line at this point. He's like, I like you, you know. Yeah, and then just boop. And then just boop, boop, boop. And then, yeah, he, he gets out of there. So, yeah, so that leads to, as I say, where Thanos is conflicted and does he sacrifice his daughter. And although he hesitates, he, he does make the decision relatively quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a switch like a decision. It's like, here's a big ditch. And away you go. And body's <laughs> down. And we're so conditioned in these movies to think that something's going to, like, Spider-Man's going to swing it at the last minute or someone's going to swing it and save her or whatever. doesn't nope. happen. Doesn't also, the musical score that accompanies that scene is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, very like, far, very uh, powerful stuff. This, you're just sitting there like, oh my God. It's like, they actually have killed her. Yeah, and, like, and the reason you know they've killed her is because the soul stone appears. You know, It's not like this is a trick or you know, that there's some way she's going to come back. I mean, for me, the deaths in this movie, everything up to this point will stick. I think yeah. I don't think we'll see Loki again. I don't think we'll see Hemdall again. I don't know if it was true or not, but did we see Valkyrie amongst the wreckage from Thor Ragnarok? Because Thanos obviously only kills in halves, so he would have only killed half that ship. So did some of them escape? Is this where Korg is, for they example? Must have done because I didn't see Valkyrie. Someone mentioned to me that she might have been in the foreground, but. I thought she was such a great kick-ass character in Ragnarok. I think it'd be a shame to kill her off-screen like yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't personally. I didn't notice. Well, yeah. Well, as I say, I mean, at this point with Gamora dying, I think everything to this point, these character deaths are going to stick. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll see. Obviously, with everything else later on. Uh, but yeah. So at this point, Thanos, I think he has all the stones at this point, doesn't he? Apart from the time stone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And the time stone all comes about on Titan because. Tony comes up with this idea, genius that he is, rather than run through the universe and hide the time stone from Thanos, oh, let's take the fight to him because that's what he won't expect. This guy really is an idiot. Um, I really can't, you know, put this forward enough. <laughs> like, why would you take the stone to the exact place where he is? Oh, because he's not expecting it? The, you know, you, the one thing about this movie they have shown is that this is an epic, epic universe with tons of hidey holes all around it. Why would you go to him? Because he's not expecting it. To progress the plot. <laughs> just, there, there has to be a more elegant way of doing it, I think, sometimes. But, you know, I, I really am nitpicking here because, as I say, it's such an amazing movie. Uh, I can't say that enough. But I just don't understand that motivation of we'll take the fight to him. But it does lead to an amazing action scene. And it's a scene where basically all of the Avengers and all of the Guardians and everyone else is just jumping up at... Yeah. Uh, it's just jumping up at uh, Thanos and one person's got his arm. Um, what do you call her out of Guardians 2? Oh, uh, Mantis. Mantis has jumped on and she's an empath, so she's sort of calming him down and you know, almost putting him to sleep, that kind of thing. And Peter is like forcing the, the gauntlet off, Peter Parker. And uh, it's at this point that you know Thanos is able... Is it Thanos or is it Mantis says? Oh, he's in pain, yeah. So Mantis yeah. says he's in pain and it's basically like because... Morning he's mourning the death of Gamora and Peter Quill's standing there going no this can't be true this can't be true and uh so we can really blame see you're here oh I, I wholeheartedly agree on, on oh yeah that's, here. that's uh it's all Star Wars fault Star at this point as well second, yeah. oh no big time I mean <laughs> he understands sort of his his pain and his agony he's you know he's finally got with Gamora in a way where they love each other and they mean a lot to each other and you know, finding out that she's dead. Because again, in this universe, there's always that last minute save. So the fact yeah. that there wasn't 
I think is something to be applauded and at this point Peter who is it says we've almost got it off is it Tony or is it Peter Parker they're like we've no, almost think, got I this off I think it's Tony it's, it? it's the one sensible thing Tony says in the whole movie uh, god damn you and your jibes <laughs> but it's probably the one these things says he's like Quill just stand off we've almost got the gauntlet off and Peter Quill in his impatience and in his annoyance and his grief and his pain and his agony punches uh, Thanos in the face which snaps him out of the whole empath thing can I just say though right in taking like in getting the gauntlet off his hand then what because he's just going to swing around and kick the crap out of you anyway like he's a good 7 feet tall has like toasters for hands yeah he's just, he would just probably punch him all and get it back on in fairness anyway. though they've got the right person taking it off him because Peter could swing out of there yeah I suppose you know, yeah. Um, and he does have the iron spider suit as well which will probably increase his abilities so but yeah, no, it is a good point. In fairness, the plan was probably for them to take it off and then probably Tony would put it in his hand or something and then destroy everyone so they could rule over what was left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah my, my hatred knows no bounds, I'm not going to lie. Um, so yeah, this all leads to almost the greatest moment in movie history, which uh, is basically where Thanos then stabs Tony Stark through the heart, or what I thought was through the heart. Now... I know I am ragging on it quite a bit and ragging on the character and all the rest, but this was a genuinely shocking moment. And yeah, because it kind of came down to just, you know, one-on-one, yeah. mano-a-mano, and he kind of, I mean, God help him, he takes it, he does try, like he gets an A-plus for effort, and he kind of gets, like, and it's mm-hmm. just the fact where he gets him right on, like, the, the face, and Thanos just kind of wipes it, and he's like, all that for just a speck of blood. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's savage well what's great <laughs> at this point as well actually is that you know Thanos calls him Stark and Tony's just like you've heard of me yeah you know I mean that must have been a great massage to Tony's ego <laughs> he was just like yeah ah. this 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 guy knows who I am that's right I'm doing something right but no I did like that Tony was known by Thanos I liked that obviously the things that they had been doing on Earth and all the rest had not gone unnoticed outside of Earth. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a great sort of moment. But, yeah, basically Thanos stabs Tony. And as much as I did enjoy that moment, I did cheer a little bit. Uh, I know I'm going to get slapped at some point here. But it was shocking. And the, But the longer it went on, I thought, yeah, they're not going to kill him. You know, it, it was so sudden the way he stabbed him. I thought, they either have to kill him off really quickly or he's not going to die. And this all led to... Um, Thanos looking at Doctor Strange and saying, give me the time stone, and he lives. Now, this is maybe one of the more controversial moments of the movie, because early in the movie, they go out of their way to say, to have Doctor Strange say, if it's a choice between you guys dying and me losing this stone, I'll give you up any day of the week. Yeah. And then, in this point, he doesn't even put up a fight. Yeah, well, to be honest, it's like, yeah, because, you know, Tony's sitting there, and that's when Strange is kind of like, you know, spare his life, I'll give you it. And you're like, mate, you just... You just backed out like you just, What are you doing? <laughs> not even a not even a like hesitation, is it? No. Hmm. Just like no, right, right, lads went far yeah. enough. Come on now. <laughs> well I mean a lot of that obviously comes down to the, the scene where um Doctor Strange looks into the future and he tries to work out every possible outcome of based on every possible action they can take. Fourteen million and sixty five, I think is the number you can If you with. remember that, I'm very impressed. Uh, <laughs> I remember it as like fourteen million or something. But uh I mean you have to think at this point, Stephen Strange is is one of the smarter Avengers, you know, yeah. even before he became a superhero, you know, he was a doctor, he was well educated, he was knowledgeable. Um so you have to think that he has seen the chain of events that leads to them winning. The one out of those fourteen million and sixty five. I was going to say 56. Uh, <laughs> so that just shows again, I don't know. But uh, you have to think that this is it. This is this plan starting. Because I think even at this point, he says we're entering the end game. Which has been a rumoured title for Avengers 4. Yeah, I have heard that as well. I wish they'd just say Infinity War Part 2. Uh, because yeah. let's be honest, that that's one of the things about this movie. It's epic and it's massive and it's amazing but you really didn't want it at the end and when it does end there's a part of you thinks that was half a movie yeah because the whole thing was like whenever they were naming it and stuff and you know it was going to be a fan, like mm-hmm. Infinity War Part 1 and 2 then it's just called Infinity War which then led a lot of people to speculate that it was like oh okay so you know like where does it go from here yeah. and it did kind of throw you off then because you're like right if that's Infinity War over and done with yeah 
what's yeah, next it's like yeah because i think the they even discussed it as if we announced what the the title was it would be a spoiler exactly yeah. and if it was something like endgame it's not really a spoiler no you know a lot of people were speculating there might be secret invasion or it might be you know avengers versus x-men or it might be you know but that's what people were thinking they were yeah, trying to like, think <laughs> of big storylines it might yeah. be house of m which is more of an x-men story but uh yeah so anyway going back to it so uh dr strange gives up the time stone uh in a really class scene actually where he sort of like yeah, picks it out of the air and yeah. stuff really really cool and hands it over and what I like about Thanos the whole way through is see as soon as he gets what he wants he just disappears Yeah, like he could stay there and he could kill them all but as soon as he gets what he he's so motivated and so single minded like one of the things I loved about the movie was and this is kind of a little jab at Justice League as well because, because <laughs> Justice League should have felt this epic, but Justice League feels like an independent movie next to this. And they sp- and that's not to say they didn't spend money on Justice League, but whether the thought process was smaller. So when the, all the trailers were coming out for Infinity War, I was thinking there's going to be stuff in space and it's all going to culminate on Earth because that's what these movies do. Aliens come from another dimension, whatever. They invade. It's all set on Earth. It's in landmarks we recognize. Yeah. But what I loved about this was like when Thanos came to Earth at the start, he got what he wanted, he left, he got out of there. So there, there's scenes <laughs> in Nowhere, there's scenes on Titan, there's scenes, like it doesn't just stay on Earth and that's one of the things that gives it its epic scope. Yeah. Whereas the end of Justice League was all set in this tiny little Ukrainian village and you're just like, what? I just, oh, uh, tiny little Ukrainian village where there was apparently only one family living there. Yeah, oh yeah, well that's, that's <laughs> definitely a Joss Whedon thing of, oh, we, we have to you know remonstrate with this family. Um, he has like a broom and a gun. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, that'll stop. That'll stop you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a whole other conversation. Ah. <laughs> a whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean, as I say, I just that's what I loved about Infinity War. It just like a lot of the Earth stuff was over at the very start, apart yeah. from on Wakanda. But like I, like New York is probably the most blown up planet in the world on the movie screen. You yeah. know, whether it's Armageddon or it's Independence Day or it's day after tomorrow or whatever when you have natural disaster movies because new york is such an iconic skyline it normally shows it like it, avengers one all in new york but obviously it doesn't happen unless they come in they have a f- scrap on the streets of new york they get out of there um so yeah so at this point basically thanos has everything ready to go and this is this is another part i really loved because they could have done like this big massive epic action scene but it was just literally Thanos walk along swatting them away like flies that was, like, it was fantastic to watch and that was great because it showed the power of the gauntlet it really was just insect you know like Captain America runs at him holds the glove and stuff and there is that that was a moment that scared me actually uh, when Cap is holding like the, the gauntlet as Thanos is trying to crush down on him and even Thanos is surprised at like this insignificant human as he looks at it having the strength to stop him but then he smacks Captain America in the face and it was such a crack when he did yeah, it. <laughs> I, I like in the same way I cheered Tony getting stabbed, I was just like, No, don't do it. Uh but then he starts moving, it's like that's okay. Right? It's like it's but, like a proper like Ricky Han. Well it, <laughs> no, it, was just a, fine. it was just a proper crunch sound yeah, effect was, and he hit him with the gauntlet and I thought I think he might have broken his neck. Yeah, just and, and again it goes back to this whole feeling of dread throughout the movie that anytime any of them were squaring up against Thanos you thought right someone's going to die here yeah. someone's going to die um, it takes me to one scene that happens before that kind of face off and it's uh, what do you call um, Black Panther's like bodyguard the, the girl who plays Michonne it's, it'll always be Michonne, Michonne yeah, I can't pronounce her name Hello, I think it's Sonequa Monica Green I yeah. think it's the actress's and name but she'll always be Michonne to me it's just whatever you know, it's her and uh, you know um, Black Widow facing off against mm-hmm. her other girl and then Scarlet Witch comes down and like kind of uses her powers whatever <laughs> this is the best line for me was her just be like why was she up there this whole time <laughs> 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 okay. so and again like we're, we're at pretty much the, the, the very end of this movie and I still haven't mentioned one of the best parts of the whole movie again this, I said it before I'll say it again it just shows the scope of this movie there's an amazing fight sequence in the train station in Edinburgh as Scarlet Witch and Vision are trying to escape from the Black Order and this led to the return of Cap and you could just see this sort of figure across the train tracks 
and I swear the hairs in the back of my neck just went up. I was just I was just so happy to see that character at that precise moment. And uh, again, it's something I haven't felt with a lot of movies in a long time. Just that real sort of yes moment. Um, and he looks very rugged and. Well, even just little details. They never call him Nomad, but the whole idea in this is that Captain America is no longer Captain America because he doesn't have a country to represent anymore because yeah. they've basically disowned him. So he becomes a character called, in the comics anyway, called Nomad. And if you look at it, how he's dressed, he has the cap suit on, but it's all blacked out. Yeah. Because he doesn't... Not that he doesn't believe in the Stars and Stripes anymore, but they've sort of disowned him to the point where maybe he doesn't feel the same sort of affiliation. Okay. But... Uh, yeah, so that was just a wee, a wee small scene just to mention. But yeah, so we get to the very end. And again, we haven't even really talked about Thor creating the new hammer and, you know, the heart of a dying star and all this There's kind of so stuff. There's so much going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's many. It's just impossible to talk yeah. about it all. But uh, yeah, the um, so it all leads to this big, massive um, fight sequence in Wakanda. So basically, Wakanda is protected uh, there's basically this huge sort of under the dome type thing or Simpsons movie type dome if you will <laughs> and uh, the Black Order and Thanos have so many minions that they are literally just throwing themselves at this shield their faces are burning their arms are burning but they don't care they're just so determined to get through um, Black Panther's just like you know what let's just open it up Yes. because if we open up a tiny slit we know where to concentrate all the attacks and all the rest all of this of course has taken place you know Bruce Banner's in the Hulkbuster suit I must admit, I was turning. I expect him to turn into Hulk at this point. There's a part where I'm he's still on the fence about it. Yeah. Well, there's a part where he's on the ground, and there's like five or six of Thanos' oh, minions yeah, yeah, on him, yeah. and I thought this is where he's going to burst out of the suit. But I don't mind that it didn't happen. But I just thought it might happen. Also, did you like? I kind of caught a notion of this. Did you think? Did you think that the minions bore a resemblance to a certain Marvel film coming out later this year? Intent. Venom. Mm. That's what I'm getting at. Oh, okay. I personally, for me, I looked at the minions. I was like, right, that they look mm-hmm. like their facials, details, like they look like Venom. Oh, it's interesting. And then we talked about it, but we were like, okay, like because Tom Holland's been, yeah, know, seen on the spot on the yeah, set of Venom, and it's kind of sort of been confirmed all like pretty much that he's making a cameo appearance. But then the more me and my sister thought about, it, we were like, well, that could actually be takes place before Infinity War because you don't know at this point whether yeah. I mean you'd you're probably gonna think the only thing was before Infinity War yeah as opposed to during it or after because well with what happened yeah Peter. that's true I mean it's interesting theory I mean that's the thing because all these movies are so well connected you wouldn't put it past them yeah you know and so you're like that's why I was like because you must have if you're gonna attempt to tie it in in some way anyway or reference it Mm-hmm. you know they can't just say oh the symbiote crash landed the earth it's yeah. like well this would be a perfect tie and it came from Wakanda because yeah. all these dead aliens in Wakanda now so yeah, it is interesting actually I'd never thought of that one myself um, but yeah it's, uh, with the long term planning that the Marvel movies have it really wouldn't <laughs> you surprise you it'll, yeah. it'll come up in like five years you'll be like I was right <laughs> it's like aha <laughs> well that's it apparently they have said that Kevin Feige has mapped out everything to 2025 which is just incredible. It's, you must just think his like a bunker of a boardroom is just scrawled with like one big massive like sheet of massive paper. Massive plan. Yeah, like a whole blueprint. With, with this, with this one part in red in the corner of how does homecoming take place eight years after Avengers? Uh, that's a separate question. Um, but yeah, so they they open up the dome a little bit to let some of the enemy in, and this again led to another goosebumps moment where Black Panther's like running really fast at it, and then Cap's like, "I show you how to run, mate." <laughs> just bolts past them. The two of them are just massively running into danger. Um, and another great one-liner. I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> yeah, I love that as well. He has a sense of humour, thank God for that. <laughs> Cap's always had a sense of humour. He could do this all day. Um, no, it's... Uh, yeah, so basically big, massive, epic action scenes. I mean, the whole way through this, all I could think was, how long would this have taken to shoot? Which I suppose you shouldn't be thinking, but the whole time I was no, just like, the scale of it was incredible. Yeah, it must have been um, quite a while. But, uh, yeah, so they fight and they fight and they fight. And then, again, it comes back to that point where we're talking about where Thanos comes in with the, the gauntlet and just swats everybody away like flies. Um, and then that leads to Thor's triumphant return. And I must admit, this was another great, you know, fist, great fist bump moment. You know, yeah. it was a real, yeah, fantastic. And 
it goes back as well to a line said early in the movie by Loki who says you'll never defeat the god yeah and he's obviously talking about Thor so if this was your normal Marvel movie this is the big moment this yeah. is the the slaying of the bad guy and Thor basically does jump at him oh by the way I should mention as well I was so happy that Groot used some of his arm to make the Stormbreaker. Yeah. Because the whole way through this movie, all I could think was, why is Groot here? They yeah, played, because it's like... It's, it's this one-note joke the whole way through of, you know, put that video game down, you know, and I thought, what, why is he here? Yeah. Is he here just because he's part of the Guardians? And when he kept, like, looking at the broken pieces and then back, and then look, and you could just see the, the, the twigs in his head turning if you will, and uh, when he used his arm, I thought that was amazing. I was so happy at that moment. And uh, yeah, so basically Thor like jumps in the air, stabs Thanos straight through the heart, and uh, it led to, for me, the best moment of the whole mo- or the best line of the whole movie. Yeah. Most kick-ass yeah. line of the whole movie, and that was Thanos just going, you should have aimed for the head. And then Thor just has this moment of realization of, oh my God, looks to the side, and, and Thanos... Then- Click the finger. Yeah. Um, and that scared me a little bit. Like, there was no hesitation in it at all. It wasn't as if he was like, ah, you know, damn. He was literally just like, she went for the head, bang. Like, yeah. just pull the trigger. Well, that's it. That fast. I was like, oh my God. Well, that's like, it. Because in, the, in these movies, the villains usually explain what they're going to do and then that allows them to stop them. I mean, one of the biggest examples for me will always be Guardians. Uh, at the end, all he has to do is literally put his hammer onto the ground and destroy the whole world. Yeah. But Peter distracts him with his whole dance off, and all that stuff. So there's always a point in these movies where they explain their plan, but they do something to distract him. And this, no, it's just like should have went for the head, click. And there was a real part of me that thought this is where it's ending because yeah, it cut to it cut to white. Yeah. And I was just like, oh no, oh no, no 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 no. Oh, okay, we're back. Um, would have been a great ending though it would have been a brilliant ending but I think it would have been a more frustrating ending Um, the ending as it is is frustrating in a way because you want to see more of this story but at the same time the ending makes sense because Thanos has achieved his plan you know Thanos is sitting relaxed at the end like looking over a sunset basically going I did it uh, he's not sitting there laughing maniacally like some world dictator you know it's relief you know it's like I set out to achieve this. I have achieved it. There's balance in the universe. But, yeah, so going back to, he snaps his fingers. And so, of course, you're you're wondering what's happening. And they really draw this out brilliantly. And then suddenly Bucky starts walking towards Steve. And Bucky starts disappearing. And of all the characters, like, Bucky would have been my second for who I did, wouldn't have wanted to disappear. Like, Cap's first. Because I just love that sort of friendship between those two. But what they do here is very clever as well because once Bucky disappears, it must be a full minute before someone else does. Yeah. It's and not then like it happens like yeah, it's in, it's like not, in unison or anything. It's all yeah. just very one by one. It's one by one, and like when it happens to Bucky, and then a minute passes, you you sort of think to yourself, "Oh, the rest of them are safe," and then another one of them starts yeah. flaking, and then another one. You know, you had that moment where Groot and Rocket are looking at each other, which. Oh, no, I mean I can't discuss this. I, I think you need to discuss this. Uh, uh, so James Gunn, who directed the Guardians movies, he you know at the very end where uh, Groot and Rocket are looking at each other, and Groot says, "I am Groot." James Gunn translated that as, "Dad." When he's dying, he looks to Rocket and he says, "Dad." I mean, come on, as if you're not tugging on the heartstrings enough by this point. That's just ridiculously I great. Be, I can't even. Um. I mean, that just killed me. The thing, the thing is, when that part happened in it, I did sort of think, "Oh, this is this is the death that the little kids will cry at," sort of thing. But now that you've said that, and it just gave an extra death, I'm just like, "No!" And Uh, Peter as well. Peter was the worst, Um, and it actually ties into something you said as well. We chatted about beforehand. I mean, I already thought it was a shocking enough moment because it was brilliantly acted, and it it almost seems like the rest of them are. uh, the rest of them are basically, um, they, they sort of have a concept of what's happening, a quiet yeah. resignation of what's happening. Uh, whereas with him, it's very much, 
oh my god, I don't want to die. I don't want. I don't want to yeah. go. I don't want to go, sir. So, and like he's begging for his life. He's begging and pleading Tony to help him in some way. And because he has heightened senses, that's, he feels everything. Yeah. That's the part I was thinking ten about times more, and you're like, oh. that I hadn't thought about. Um, but obviously, due to his enhanced senses, as you say, I mean, as much pain as everyone else would have been in, his multiplied he's tenfold, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. So, Pinfold so yeah, basically, you know. All we're left with at the end is the original Avengers, and as I say, we'll chat about it earlier, Rocket, which again just seems like an anomaly to me, but I think it all goes back to that line of, you know, you just don't want to face Thanos, do you? Yeah, you want to be has where to he be, isn't. Yeah. Has to be more than that, or more to that, I should say. Definitely. Um, but we'll find out. <laughs> we will indeed. I mean, the, the, the one good thing here is that there's actually only one year until the next movie. I yeah, mean, so like my fear was going to be years. three. Yeah, and you're like, oh... Yeah, you'd, you'd have been pulling your hair out by that stage, be like, ah, yeah, <laughs> hurry so, up and release. But uh, and yeah, the, the Captain Marvel post scene might also tie in the, it in a way. Yeah, so Maybe. that's well, that's it. That leads us just to the wee, you know post credits scene. And in this movie, there was only one, and it's right at the very end. Um, usually with Marvel movies, there'll be one in the middle and then one at the end. I will say that the credits for this were long. Yeah, they were. I don't know whether it was long because of how it ended. I don't know if it was long because they were just long. I don't know if it was long no, because you're waiting for that one credit scene. I'm thinking it was just long and that. It was long. Maybe like, that's why they usually cut them out in half. Maybe that's why they give you like a post-credit scene in the middle or a mid-credit scene. As Tony says, uh, it's been a long day, like yeah. Eugene O'Neill long. <laughs> so all these credits were. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed, like when the credits were going on and on, it actually reached a point where I... Uh, I was reading the credits as well, oh, yeah, yeah. and I saw one at the end, and it said, characters from Arrested Development um, <laughs> loaned to us by 20th Century Fox. I was like, where the hell was there an Arrested Development reference? Now, Arrested Development's basically this great comedy with Jason Bateman. It's to do with the Bluth family, and um, the Russos who directed this, they actually directed loads of episodes yeah. of it. And there was a great little Easter egg in Civil War when they're fighting in the airport that in the background you can see the stair car with the Bluth Company logo mm -hmm. on, uh, in the background, which I thought was great. But I had to read up on this one. I will be looking out for it on a, on a second viewing. But uh, in the background of the collector's um, home in a glass case is Tobias Bluth dressed up all in blue paint and wearing his uh, cutoffs. Which means nothing to 90% of the population, <laughs> but to me is absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah... Uh, Obviously, I read that little part, and then we get our end credits scene. And the end credits scene gives us our first look in years at Nick Fury. Yes. I mean, is it Winter Soldier was the last we seen him? See, somebody said this to me, and I was like, it couldn't have been. I think it, it is. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, he basically stands at his grave, and he burns everything, and he walks off. Have we seen him? Age of Ultron. The bit where they're at uh, his house, Clint's house, and he's in the barn. Good call. And he comes out and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just a man who cares very much about you. You're right, you're right. I think that was the last one. Yeah, then, was that, it? Was, that was the but last yeah, one. But yeah, good call, good catch on that one. I think it's just Ultron's a bit of a forgettable one, unfortunately. Well, Aww, I, everyone says this to me, I like this. There's good stuff to it, but it, it's uh, uh, Ultron's a movie of two halves to me. I think the first half's brilliant, and I think the second half's really weak. Um, but that's, again, just personal stuff. But, uh, you know, whereas with Infinity War, the first half was strong, the middle was strong, the end was strong, the post credit scene was strong. Oh, and great film. Yeah, but yeah but, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, as, as we say, sorry, just uh, that end credit scene. Yeah. So you have Nick Fury uh, driving in the car with Maria Hill. Ah, that's and her then, first name. I couldn't remember her first name. <laughs> and then people start disappearing and you see like helicopters banging into buildings and all this kind of stuff. And then Maria Hill starts to disappear. And so for some reason, Nick Fury knows what's going on here as well, which is what I find interesting. Like he sees people disappearing. He doesn't look shocked. Right. To me, it's almost he, like he's. he's it's almost like he's he, he knows something, and the fact that the, he then runs back to the car and he pulls out this pager looks like it's from the nineties. Good reason for that, of course. And he presses a button, and then he disappears in one of the greatest line deliveries of all time. Um, you just know that they said to him, right? You know what, Sam? You make up your last line. Yeah, and whatever you want. And he's like, "Can I say motherfucker?" And they were like, "Right, do that, but we'll cut it off halfway yeah, it's through." Just you know, for the twelfth reasoning. I mean, it's it's the most deliciously Samuel L. Jackson scene I've ever seen in my life. My sister, yeah, my sister said it would have been great if he had to come off. If you know. I've had it with these mullet stones and this mullet and planet. <laughs> yeah, that would have, I might have been a bit too self-aware of that, but just the, the whole mother and then yeah. it getting cut off. But 
then the, the little pager drops to the ground and zooms, uh, in. zooms in, sending, 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 and then a symbol comes up. And the symbol is, of course, from Captain Marvel. Personally, to me, 90% of people didn't know what the symbol was. I suppose it all depends what crowd you go with. I mean, because we went to the Midnight Show and they were all Marvel fans. Yeah. So like me and my sister, we all knew, but, I mean, for me, then, having yeah. been working and hearing people come out of it, it's like, no idea. Yeah. Like, come on, guys, really? Because there were some people even clapping at that point in our screening and cheering. Um, so... But uh, a, a lot of that more will go into more detail when the Captain Marvel movie comes out because yeah. it's going to be set in the nineties. It's um, it'll have a two-eyed Nick Fury. Uh, but it's obviously going to show how they set up their relationships, and hopefully at the end of that movie they'll explain why she was never present in New York or yeah, in Skokovia yeah. or in obviously when Thanos comes to yeah. Earth, whether she's in the other end of the galaxy or whatever. But hopefully it'll explain in some way why she wasn't involved I would have maybe liked to have seen her instead yeah. of a sentiment like even just as he just or I don't know maybe just a completely different like end credit scene or, or maybe like it's sending like a sending and then it cuts to the other end of that and someone picks it up yeah it's something yeah. like that you know just a glimpse I don't know, of I think, Larson in the suit I think at this point we're just being, I think at this point we're just being greedy yeah no, no actually no no, no. I, I, nope. th- <laughs> I think we're just being greedy at this point I mean yeah I would have loved that scene as well but we, we, we all think that we can uh, we all think that we can do these things better uh, but not saying we can <laughs> but you know just <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not true in this case because I don't think anybody could have done a better job in this movie no um, definitely not at all I mean the biggest compliment I can give it and anybody who knows me comes in this store or whatever anybody who knows me well knows I'm a DC guy through and through and in a sense it kills me to you know just to say how good this movie is I mean it's not that I was going into it wanted to fail or going into it wanted to be bad of course I wanted it to be amazing but the fact that it lived up to and exceeded those expectations yeah. all I could think was where's the DC equivalent of this yeah you know I oh, do wait, there isn't one <laughs> I still think The Dark Knight's a better movie but it's a very 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 different movie yeah in terms of long term planning payoff character development there's nothing that even touches this yeah. um it's very it's definitely in my top two although because again i just love winter soldier but it could even be top one when i go see it a second time i do want to like that's one of the reasons i love winter soldier i think it's got great rewatchability whether this will have that same rewatchability i think it will i will say it goes in faster faster. Yeah, yeah like the second time you watch it you know well obviously with any film you watch it three times four times yeah. over obviously you know what's coming but with this because everything the first time was a shock and there was a twist yeah. and there was such you know mind-blowing proportions like the second time you watch it you're just like oh okay looking for and then, and then before you know it it's just over again you're like sweet yeah i mean for me the second viewing of anything is always about looking for details mm-hmm. the first time is about the experience uh second time's looking for details but you do wonder just sometimes when there's certain movies for example that have like a twist ending once you know that is it worth watching again? Yeah. There are examples of movies that get better when you know the twist. Usual Suspects, I'm thinking. Sixth Sense, I'm Inception. thinking. Inception. Uh, well, Inception just gets better every time you watch it. <laughs> Absolutely adore that movie. Uh, I like Collateral as well. Although Collateral's not really a twist. It's more just like about the story he told him at the very start of the film. Oh, the Tom Cruise, Jimmy Fox one? Yeah. Collateral? It's a yeah. great movie. He tells him at the start, it's like, guy gets on the MTV, dies, and then... No one finds, no yeah. one realises for a and couple of days. the end of film that's how he dies and do you know like, ah. this, this is a total segue from this but do you know at the end of that movie right see the first time I saw it yeah and again spoilers everybody <laughs> um, big fat spoilers if you haven't seen Collateral put this forward one minute yeah um, at the very end of Collateral uh, Jimmy Fox's character is standing across from Tom Cruise's and there's a doorway in the way yeah uh, between the two trains and they both shoot at each other and it always annoyed me that Vince who was Tom Cruise's character is a professional hitman and even though he's injured and he's struggling and all the rest he doesn't hit Jimmy Fox once but Jimmy <laughs> Fox shoots him right that annoyed me but just to show how meticulous Michael Mann is the reason he didn't hit him if you look at the doors like you if you remember earlier in the movie where uh, Vincent killed someone and it's like one to the head two to the heart if you look at the doorway he shot him directly in the heart three times Yeah. but because of the steel of the door that's why it doesn't hit him Ah. he doesn't shoot through the glass which is why you know because Vincent in his training is aim for the heart so he actually would have hit him if the door wasn't there which really changed my perception of the end of that movie really Really clever I thought that was brilliant um, because it always annoyed me that Vince 
didn't hit him once, but he was able to shoot Vince. And it's just a great scene that he kind of gets it out, like, you know, because instinctively it's just like, right, reload, I'll finish off. Yeah. And it just goes just out, like, and you just see the clip the drop, clip. and he's just like... Yeah. <sighs> also, yeah. I don't really think you need to say spoilers. It's been like 14 years. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a while, but uh, let's just say I, I still wouldn't give away the end of The Sixth Sense or The Usual Suspects to anyone who hadn't seen them. Um, but yeah, you know, back to Infinity War. Say it completely lived up to the hype. was everything I wanted it to be. When we left the screening, as I say, there was 15 of us, and we just didn't know what to say to each other. We just stayed a shock. I made the mistake of trying to do a review literally straight after it. Oh, Me and my sister yeah. were just like... I, like oh, I, I was like, I, uh, maybe I should just delete that video off my channel and do it again now, but it, we were kind of sitting there like, how... I mean, it's nice to see that reaction in a way, because that encapsulates that moment. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, we... Yeah, it was literally just 10 minutes of us trying to form sentences about what we just witnessed. And I was like, right, um. <laughs> so about that, well, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much. Out well, of 10, what would you give it? Oh, 11. You know, it's, it's a stupid cliche to say you can't give more than 10, but it really did just live up to everything I wanted it to be. And as I say, as a DC fan, it kills me. Because this is the movie Justice League should have been and wasn't in any shape or form. And, you know, yeah, what more can you say? I'm guessing it's full marks from yourself as well. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I didn't didn't want to be completely cliche and give it a 10, so I just went with like a 9, just so as people knew I wasn't entirely biased. (laughs) Well, I think it'll be interesting to go back to this movie in a year's time when the sequel comes out. The only fear I have from this movie is that all of this is undone. Uh, I think it would be a cheap parlor trick. I don't think the Russos or Kevin Feige would be that silly about it. But at the same time, one thing we know in the Marvel Universe, there hasn't really been a lot of lasting consequences. Nope. And the only thing that worries me is that, you know, Doctor Strange going at the time, stone back and just go, ah, there you go, all alive. Uh, I don't think they'll do that. I really don't. God I think, almighty, if that happens, I'm walking out. I think the cultural impact of this movie and how well it's been received, I don't think they'd do it. Um, I have a small theory which I'll just share very quickly uh, the whole way through the movie they keep uttering this line of we don't trade lives here and I have this feeling in the sequel that the original Avengers who are left will trade their lives for the quote new Avengers because I'm sorry he just had a billion dollar movie you're not killing Black Panther Spider-Man Homecoming 2 has been announced you're not killing yeah, Peter yeah. you know it's kind of both Guardians 3 has been announced Guardians so, 3 has been announced yeah. but I do think that will be without Gamora, personally. Yeah. I do think that's a death that will last. Um, so, yeah, that that's my theory for the second one because I think all the the newer characters will come back yeah. and then the older characters will go out. And if you're listening, Russo Brothers, if you end it in a way where you segue back to Captain America jumping on that grenade in the first Avenger, I will be reduced to tears because that would just be the perfect culmination of what will be at that point uh, 11 years yeah. and it's start in fact it was, I suppose it would be 10 years because it was 2009 for yeah. Cap so um, I mean that was always his character he would sacrifice himself to save everyone else so as I say that's that's my guess it's not a spoiler in any way it's not based on anything other than my reaction to the movie yeah. so uh, so yeah um, anything else to add at this point no I think I think no. we've covered the think we're vast hitting, majority of everything. I think so. we're hitting an hour and ten minutes here. Uh, yep. Probably bored of the sound of our voices. But um, no, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, we, we obviously chatted for a long time about it here. But honestly, you could chat so much longer. Yep. There, there is so much to this movie. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, there's no point now because you've just had it all spoiled for you. <laughs> but <laughs> if, you've seen it you one, <laughs> if you've seen it once, hopefully listening to all this will make you want to see it again. I mean, just chatting about it. I, I want to see it again this week definitely at some point uh yeah just can't say enough good things about it so yeah we'll uh leave it there um obviously we're recording this you may have heard a few people duck in and out we like to think that's part of the charm of this uh in and out of the store uh so just for me i'm alan i'm the owner operator of coffee and heroes we're in smithfield market uh in belfast and i've been joined today by James, uh, if you like what I do, you can find me on YouTube, James Oliver Film Reviews. I'm the one that looks like Patrick Bateman. Or if you want to read my stuff, I'm now featured in Northern Woman Magazine. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Congrats. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, just hit me up, whatever. <laughs> there we go, guys. As I say, cheers for listening, and uh, I'm sure we'll be back with another review of some kind soon. Mm-hmm.